Good morning, church. Welcome. Would you stand to your feet? And we're going to read God's word to each other aloud together. We're going to read from Matthew 16, starting in verse 24. It'll be up on the screen. So as, as you comes up on the screen, let's read this together. Then Jesus said to his disciples, If anyone wants to follow after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life because of me will find it. For what will it benefit someone if he gains the whole world yet loses his life? Or what will anyone give in exchange for his life? For the Son of Man is going to come with his angels in the glory of his Father, and then he will reward each according to what he has done. Therefore, truly, I tell you, there are some standing here who will not taste death until they see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. And as we look forward to that day, um, let's take up our cross, deny ourselves, and follow him. Would you would grab a seat, and we're going to listen to the choir um, as, they, as, we, as they exhibit this sort of attitude that um, no matter what God wants, us, wants to do, do what you want to do.
is God. God is often pleased to do that because he loves us. So would you stand to your feet and let's sing together of the ways in which God has demonstrated that he is for us.
Would you say amen? Amen. Amen. Thank you for your singing. You may be seated. Good morning. So glad that you're here this morning. I'm Pastor Sean, and I'm glad that you're here as we worship that returning king. He deserves our praise because he loves us, and he died for us, and now we get to live for him. Amen? We're glad that you're here this morning. Uh, if you're a guest this morning, we're glad that you're here. If you would, do us a favor. In the pew in front of you is a Connect card. If you would take that Connect card this morning and fill it out, and then take it to our next steps desk, which is through the double doors, and to the left at the end of the service. This is your first time with us. We have a gift waiting for you. We want to connect with you, get to know you. Uh, also, the ladies at the next steps desk can help you answer your questions about life groups or D groups or anything here at Hebrew Baptist Church. And we want to connect with you today. So we're glad that you're here and we want to connect with you and invite you to take your next steps. Hebrew Baptist Church is, exists to glorify God by inviting everyone to take your next step. So maybe you're here today. I don't know you. Maybe you're a guest this morning. You're here to take your next step in trusting Christ for the first time. And maybe you've been a believer for a long time and you, you would like to know how to study the Bible or to pray or, or maybe even to evangelize. You've never shared the gospel in your life. Well, we want to help you and equip you to take those next steps. Or maybe God is calling you to serve His church and ministry or even go to the ends of the earth on missions. We want to help you. So we're glad that you're here as we worship Christ together. Well, today we're going to highlight one of our ministries, our youth ministry. And so we're going to invite Curtis Ponder, our Director of Student Ministries, uh, ministry, excuse me, uh, and I, I believe he's going to call up some of the students that are coming for camp, uh, and we're going to pray for them, but he's going to tell us a little bit about camp that's starting next Monday. So Curtis, come on, come on up. Let me grab a microphone, grab one from Clay there, and uh, you can... Tell us all about summer camp. Uh, if I could have all the students who are going, should be 11 of you, if you could come up here. Just stand here in the front so everyone can get a good look at you. Give them a round of applause. Yeah. Let's make sure their faces get really red and we embarrass all of them. Awesome. Uh, and then also going, you don't have to come up here, but Bailey and Kyle are also going to be assisting as chaperones, which will be much needed. Um, I wanted to take this opportunity just so everyone can get a glimpse at who is going. This, I think we were missing some, but this is the group. Um, so one, we want to ask for your help financially. Um, we have already received a tremendous blessing from several people, which has allowed costs to go down, which has allowed students to go and we are so grateful for it, but we also wanted to give everybody in the church an opportunity to support these young people. This is the next generation of our church, and this is a group that you can pour into um, even now, uh, allowing them, giving them a chance, helping parents out by bringing costs down. We leave for camp in just nine short days, and we are humble enough to ask help from our church, so we would greatly appreciate it, any giving of any kind. Uh, but more so than giving, what we would really appreciate is your prayer. Um, if you know anything about youth ministry, about students, those of you who are parents of these kids, you know that it's taxing. We know that it requires lots of patience. I'm learning as I go. Franklin's looking at me like he's, he never does that, but 
I was listening. But pray for us. Um, pray for me. Pray for Kyle. Pray for Bailey. Pray for the group as a whole. Pray that their hearts would be equipped to hear the gospel for four straight days in a row where they can't get away from it. Um, a lot of our testimonies, if we think of it, start with youth camp. I know mine does. Uh, so please be in prayer for this group. Please be in prayer that hearts would be changed, that people would come out of this more spiritually mature. And I, I really just I wanted to give you all an opportunity to invest both through giving and through prayer in the next generation of our church, the next generation of the church. And they're standing right in front of you. So now you have faces to see. You know who's going. You know who you can support. And I just wanted to thank you all in advance for what you will do. Thank you. And I'm going to go ahead and pray over them. So if you would join me, I'm going to go ahead and, and pray over these students on our trip. Um, and I ask that you join me. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for the work that you have done already in preparing each heart uh, that is going to be going to camp. We thank you, Lord, that you are good, you are sovereign, that you hold all things in your hands, that you are in control of all things. And we ask you even now to begin working in the hearts of these students, um, in the hearts of the leaders that are going, in the hearts of the people who will be teaching us. Um, Lord, we ask for wisdom, we ask for safety, Lord, we ask that you would be so near to us. Lord, that when we leave camp, uh, we be changed. We don't leave looking like the same people when we left, but we return to be able to serve your church, to be better family members, to be greater servants in your kingdom. And Lord, we know that through hearing the word, through being around believers, through prayer, through worship, we know that these things take place. And Lord, we are about to experience a week of prayer, a week of worship, a week of teaching. And Lord, we ask that you would go ahead of us and that you would bless it, that it would be for our benefit and to the benefit of this body. And we thank you and praise you in advance. And we ask all these things in Jesus' name. So um, we gathered together, and we've worshipped, and we've prayed, and um, we've worshipped before a holy God who is just and right in all his dealings, and we as a people, as Isaiah uh, says to the Lord, when, he's, when he sees the Lord seated on his throne, he says, Behold, I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips. So we recognize that, that there is this dividing line between us and God, but the good news is um, that he is faithful and just to forgive us. So listen to Ephesians 2, starting in verse 4. It says, But God, who is rich in mercy, because of his great love that he, had, that he had for us, made us alive with Christ, even though we were dead in our trespasses. Isn't that good news? You were saved by grace. He also raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavens in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages he might display the immeasurable riches of his grace through his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For you are saved by grace through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is God's gift, not from works, so that no one can boast. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared ahead of time for us to do. And one of those works that we 
do is to worship God because he has been gracious to us. Would you stand and let's sing together of the amazing grace that we know. Take my- 
dying for us, loving us and forgiving us, dying on the cross for our sins and rising again on the third day, ascending to the right hand of the Father and praying for us. So we look to him and we turn our eyes to him as we look to his word. Let's make this our prayer. That we would turn our eyes upon Jesus.
be served. You may be seated. turning to your copy of God's Word to Zephaniah chapter 1, Zephaniah chapter 1 and verse 14. If you have trouble following, finding that, I would like to follow along in the Pew Bible that's in front of you. That's page 835. 835, it's on the right-hand side of that Pew Bible. We are working through Habakkuk and Zephaniah as we consider what is it like to live on the edge of exile as Christians in a world that is going further away from the Lord, that is finding a place for us, knowing that the end, the end result of our sin is coming? How do we remain faithful? And today we're going to be thankful, looking at God, looking at his character, and being thankful that God is just and merciful, just as we sang today. Today, this week, many of you know that we uh, that uh, Pastor Tim Keller passed away. He was the founder and pastor at Redeeming uh, Redeemer's Church in uh, Manhattan. Went and started that church, and it grew to have global influence. Now, uh, he impacted me greatly. Now, I don't agree with everything he ever said or wrote or preached. Uh, he's a Presbyterian, and I'm a Baptist, so he, I know he got. The baptism thing wrong and he's finding that out now <laughs> but we there's a several things that I disagree with him about and I say that lovingly by the way because I know that I'm going to see him in heaven and I knew he got the gospel in Jesus right there was something I've been looking at a bunch of different things I've read all the different things and something I shared with a group yesterday that he said uh, he said you know no one goes to the king at 3 a.m and ask for a cup of water but we have that access to God and it's thanks to, to God and through Jesus Christ that we have access to God the creator of the universe to ask him and know and to learn more about him and today first of all we, he's given us the gift of his word that is true and perfect that we have access to him and we also can go and have access to the king and as we come to him let's ask the lord to grant us access to know him greater and to know him more so beginning in verse 14 of chapter 1 we're going to read the great day of the lord is near near and rapidly approaching listen the day of the lord then the warrior's cry is bitter that day is a day of wrath, a day of trouble and distress, a day of destruction and desolation, a day of darkness and gloom, a day of clouds and total darkness, a day of trumpet blast, a battle cry against the fortified cities and against the high cor corner towers. 
I will bring distress on mankind. They will walk like the blind because they have sinned against the Lord. Their blood will be poured out like dust and their flesh like dung. Their silver and their gold will be unable to rescue them on the day of the Lord's wrath. The whole earth will be consumed by fire of his jealousy for he will make a complete, yes, a horrifying end of all the inhabitants of the earth. Gather yourselves together. Gather together, undesirable nations. Before the decree takes effect and the day passes like chaff, before the burning of the Lord's anger overtakes you, before the day of the Lord's anger overtakes you, seek the Lord, all you humble of the earth, who carry out what he commands. Seek righteousness. Seek humility. Perhaps you will be concealed on the day of the Lord's anger. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we come to you this morning thanking you to come to access to your throne room. Knowing that your word has given us truth, has, has given us words of life that can change us and make us more like your son Jesus. You've given us the spirit that resides in us that helps to, to grow fruit and be more like him. And Lord, as we come to you, we have access. We pray and plead to you that to each one here that you would give access to your knowledge and wisdom, that you would reveal truth to their lives and that you would change them. Thank you, Lord, for meeting with us today. We ask through your word to give us grace and truth. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, there was a man who approached a baseball, a recreation baseball game, and he walked up and leaned into a boy that was standing in the dugout and said, well, uh, what's the score of the game? And the boy said, well, we're losing 18 to nothing and the boy the guy says well I, I hate that I'm sure you're very disappointed and the boy said oh no we haven't batted yet you know it's hard to have when you're in a discouraging time to have a good outlook to be positive to have a good outlook on when things look bad there was a gentleman who had been uh, who had been sentenced to death but he had gotten reprieve from the king that the king said after a year if you could teach my horse to fly you will be released but if not then you will have to be committed to death someone asked him how he felt he said well you know a year's a long time the king could die who knows maybe that horse will fly you know, we know that when we are against all odds, it is hard to be optimistic. It's hard to face impending bad news with hope. But instead, we see in the light of this text that we see that Zephaniah is teaching that even in the midst of the worst conditions that we will come across, that there is hope in God. We know that the scriptures teach 
that even in the worst that we will ever come against, the worst destruction and degradation that we will ever face, which is separation from God in our sin, we can have hope because we have hope in Christ. Our text here in Zephaniah gives us a clear-eyed vision of the punishment of sin and yet hope found in God. The combination that we read here, the near, near and rapidly approaching here in verse 14, helps us to see that the day of the Lord that Zephaniah had talked about is coming, and it is coming quickly. That this day of destruction and punishment, this wailing, this bloodshed, this staggering weight of God's wrath is coming against God's people. If you haven't been here the last couple of weeks, we see that both Habakkuk and Zephaniah is prophesying to Judah just in the years ahead in which God would bring about his judgment against them through the Babylonian Empire which will come and crush Judah, the kingdom, crush the temple and their worship, will take them and their people away to exile. The prophet here is saying it is coming near and God's judgment will be a consuming fire. This is an urgent warning he is giving and it's calling for an immediate response. We, when we are met with the reality of our sin, when we understand the depth of how we are separated from God, what gives us hope, even in the difficult days that we face, even knowing when the worst is yet to come, even in what situation you come across, you know that your hope is in a God who is both just and merciful. One who will bring about justice against sin, but who will bring mercy in Christ. And it is in this that we can be thankful, in this that we know that there is hope. It is in this that we cling to Jesus Christ, in this that we are thankful that God has made a way to punish sin, but in the same way, given us grace through Christ. And it is in this that we see that we can be thankful for the justice and mercy of God. And in knowing this, this warning, this understanding, it helps us to be reminded that we must cling to the perfect justice and mercy of God. In this passage, there are three truths about God being perfectly just and merciful that should drive us to respond with urgency. So number one, if you're taking notes on the bulletin or in your phones, number one, God is perfectly just and our sin cannot be downplayed. God is perfectly just and our sin cannot be downplayed. Now, as we are reading through verses 14 through 18, we see the reality of the judgment that God is bringing upon Judah or will bring on Judah. That there is going to be an awful day. Look in verse 14. He uses the cry that the warrior's cry is bitter. 
And God is saying through Zephaniah that even the toughest among you, even the, the greatest warriors are going to wail and cry at the devastation that is around them. Even the rock is going to cry when he knows that there is devastation. Even the greatest warriors that we could face in battle are going to be overwhelmed at the sight of what God does. This staccato-like structure that we find in verse 15, he, he uses this rapid-fire amount of the ways of a description of what will happen, a day of trouble and distress, a, a day of destruction and desolation, a day of darkness and gloom, a day of clouds and total darkness, a day of trumpet blast and battle cry against the fortified cities. There is a coming drumbeat of punishment. There is no one that will escape the punishment of that day. It is interesting that even it says this day of darkness, there's even, a, if you remember last week where there was some uh, veiled moments of the same thing that God did to Egypt in the plagues, he's now going to do to his promised people. And here again, the day of darkness. Remember, the day of darkness fell on Egypt. Well, in the same way, God's chosen people are going to be treated just as God's enemy. And we ask, why? Maybe if you're just thumbing through this and you fall on this, this I wouldn't say this is the be that's not the best way to read your Bible, but let's just say that you fell on this. Why is this happening? Well, verse 17 tells us, I'll bring distress on mankind and they will walk in the blind because they have sinned against the Lord. Brothers and sisters, we need to be reminded of the depth and the darkness and the devastation of sin. It cannot be downplayed. This almost real-time teaching helps us to see what God is going to do against sin. Remember, this prophecy, like most of the prophecies, had a short-term and a long-term fulfillment. God was going to bring about the judgment of Judah for their sin. But you cannot read these verses and not see that he's giving us a foretaste, a picture of the coming day of the Lord when all of God's wrath will bring and come about all sin. The one that we know will come when God puts down the earth and all those who are against him and starts over to bring a new heaven and a new earth, but the old must go away and all that is sinful. Again and again, God reminds us that we know that sin brings destruction. You know, we don't, we talk about sin, but we sometimes talk how little about sin it really is. Here's interesting, it just popped into my head. Uh, often, I get lazy instead of typing. Um, it, I do the, the voice typing. 
because I can talk faster than I can type. And so sometimes I'll just let it go. And can I tell you the one word that gets messed up on their dictation than anything else? Sin. It, it, it becomes said or sense or it changes to all sorts of things. It's almost like that even the dictation, Microsoft Word, doesn't even want to talk about it. In the same way, what is sin? Well, sin is clearly any disobedience to God and his ways. Friends, that is a broad definition because sin is very particular. It's anything against God. And often we minimize it in our life. We call Lies, little white lies, that's okay. We call some sins just mistakes. We call some people who are habitually one way, oh, that's just how they're wired. Yes, we're, we're all wired with sin, but that does not give us the ability to think sin any less. This prophecy helps us to see the reality of God's anger and wrath against sin. 2 Peter 3, 7 says, By the same word, the present heavens and earth are stored up for fire, being kept for the day of judgment and destruction of the ungodly. Friends, we cannot take sin lightly or lessen its results in the world. To save money in our house, we make our own concoction of uh, of weed killer and we put uh, white vinegar and dawn and salt and we make our own and so then I go around and I ke kill the, the weeds and you think oh this isn't very potent it's nothing but I tell you one little drop of that will kill any plant and unfortunately, I found out because I've got a drop or two on Sarah's plants, and I've killed the wrong thing. Well, friends, the same thing, any little sin is destructive to our heart and to our lives. It separates us from God and has deep consequences and is damaging. Just six things that sin does to us. By our sin, we greatly offend God. Friends, we offend the creator of the universe, the one who puts life in our bones, the one who has made us. We offend him with every little sin, and we are counted as rebels. Number two, our sin, we deserve the sentence of death. Because we have rebelled against the king, the king's enemies deserve death. And therefore, though God created us to be without death, our sin has brought death in us, and now our lives expire. Now we know that death is coming for us all. Number three, by our sin, we grieve the Holy Spirit. Why do we grieve the Holy Spirit? The Spirit lives in our body. And when we pollute His home, we grieve Him. He doesn't want to have anything to do with sin. And when we allow it to linger, we grieve him. By our sin, number four, we, 
weaken our faith. Sin does not destroy God's elect, but it can make our faith weak, leaving us feeling as though it's harder to trust God than before and that he's no longer for us. Number five, by our sin, we severely wound our conscience, meaning that when we allow sin, it's easier for us to sin again. When we don't listen to the spirit within us, it's easier for us to deny us when we want to sin again. At six, by our sin, we sometimes lose the awareness of grace for a time. Just like a dark cloud cuts off the light of the sun, so too the dark cloud of our sin, God's smile can be hidden from us. And we forget the grace that we have. Friends, this is why I urge you, brother and sister, do not downplay your sin. Run from it. Take it seriously. Do as Jesus told us to do and put sin to death and cut us away and remove from our life. Jesus said in Mark 9, 43, and if your hand causes you to fall away or cut it off, it is better for you to enter life maimed than to have two hands and go to hell, the unquenchable fire. You know, I think of sin sort of like the movie Gremlins. You know, they bring the Mogwai home, give it a cute name, Gizmo. But what do they tell you not to do? Don't get it wet, don't feed it after midnight because it becomes destructive. When they get wet, they multiply it after night. They turn into the green monsters that destroy everything. Friends, too often we let sin come into our life like cute little things and we feed it and nourish it and it destroys us. Lying, pornography, greed, pride, all of these things we allow to fester and it wrecks us. It wrecks our lives. It wrecks our relationships. It separates us from God. It separates us in our marriages. It hurts us. God, the most important thing it does is it separates us from a God that loves us and puts us on a path of punishment and counts us among those who on the day of wrath will be trouble and distress. Brothers and sisters, we cannot downplay sin. And God in his perfect justice must deal with it. And if we're dealing with the sins of others and dealing with the sin, uh, the consequences of sin, we celebrate that God will be just against sin. But we will cringe when we know he's coming against us and our sin. The good thing is is God is both perfect in justice and mercy. So number two, God is merciful, so we must repent and turn to him in obedience. We must repent and turn to him in obedience. In chapter two, we see, gather yourselves together, gather together undesirable nation, 
before the decree takes effect and the day passes like shaft, before the burning of the Lord's anger overtakes you, before the day of the Lord's anger overtakes you. Here, just these two verses, God changes his whole perspective and picture of where the status of Judah was before and where it's fallen. The term gather is the same term that is used elsewhere in the Old Testament of gathering straw for the Sabbath. Gather, gather, gather together, gather together. It's this description of Judah that is being gathered together and is just like all the other nations, something that can be destroyed. The term undesirable in the CSB can also be translated shameless. That they are shameless in how they have sinned against God, having no care for how they have really truly offended him. So here, in just a few words, Judah as a nation is now considered worthless straw, no longer the people of God, and with no shame for the sins it has committed. Boy, put that on your flyer to come. Come, come visit Judah. We are now worthless straw. Boy, you really want to go there. Verse 2 gives us a glimpse of God's mercy. Is in verse 2, we see that these warnings of judgment, that there's still time. How do we know? The term before. Before this it takes effect. Before the burning of the Lord's anger. Before the day of the Lord's anger overtakes you. God is giving a warning to his people that there is time to repent. There is time to to turn there is time he is giving us he who is slow to anger and bounding in mercy is saying repent and this sense of urgency is in the call is emphasized here three times before 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 this is a reminder that god is giving us mercy the opportunity to repent in Acts 3.29, this is the call that we all have as Christians. Therefore, repent and turn back so that your sins may be wiped out. Friends, we are called when we are met with our sin and know God's judgment against us. The Bible gives us this wonderful call to repent and believe. To believe on Jesus, but to repent. Two sides of the same coin of our conversion. That we must both believe on Christ, but turn from our wicked ways and turn to God. We must repent. I was working on my lawnmower and uh, I was really struggling. I wanted to take the blades off and take it to someone to get them sharpened. And I worked for hours I was turning, I just could not get the nut undone, and I was lefty loosey in it all that I could, and I could not get that to move to when a neighbor came, and he said, you know, sometimes they thread those backwards just for extra protection, just for extra protection. So I turned the other way, and it worked. 
you know, if I had just kept going, if I had just kept doing, I could have broken the shaft. I could. Have, there was a lot of things that I could have done to broke things, but I needed to turn. And friends, that's the same call for us. We need to turn back and agree with God. When we understand we're going the wrong way, we need to turn back to God. When we admit when God has given us wisdom through his word and shown us by his spirit or encouraged us from a friend, when we know we're going along the wrong path, we should turn and agree with him. J.I. Packer said that repentance is more than just sorrow for the past. Repentance is change of the mind and heart, a new life of denying self and serving the Savior as king in self's place. Friends, the sins that the Lord's convicted you of, as you were thinking of, of the sin in your life from the last few verses, what is he calling you to turn from? Well, today is that day. Turn and repent. Turn away. That we know that we must trust Christ in all of our heart, believe that he has paid the price, but in the same way, we must repent from following sin and turn to his way, to what does it say? To righteousness, to seeking humility. Repentance is the result of a changed life by the Spirit. And conversion is the heart of one who believes on Christ and follows him. Friends, you're a believer you are continuing to repent all of your life. It is not just that repentance, yes, it saves, but a mark of a Christian is one who continually repents because we know that sin has marred us. And so when your spouse comes to you and says, hey, you know, you've been very harsh, you want to first buck up and argue, right? But instead, maybe you should think, you know, that person loves me. They love the Lord, and they want what's best for me. Maybe I am being harsh, and maybe we need to change. You know, I face criticism all the time as a pastor, and one of the things that I, I do is even in the criticism, I think, Lord, what are you teaching me? What is there something that I can learn? Because I would not be much of a believer who is filled with the Spirit, who wants to be more like Jesus, if I'm not willing to be teachable and moldable and want to learn. And in the same way, friends, no matter what is coming after us, we must think, is there something that we need to repent of? Brother and sister, maybe you're in a deep sin that you need help as you turn away. I encourage you, reach out. Talk to a Christian brother or sister in Christ. Talk to your spouse. Talk to one of our pastors. Talk to someone and let them help you along the way. But know that that path that you're on is leading to further and further destruction unless you turn and agree with God. And if you do, Mercy awaits for you. Because when we are convicted by the word of the Spirit, God is being merciful to us to give us one more chance, one more chance to change before true destruction comes.
Is there an area that you need to repent of today? Follow Christ in righteousness. And when we do, number three, God is merciful. So we must seek God and humble ourselves in his grace. Verse three, seek the Lord, all you humble of the heart. Seek the Lord. In Zephaniah's time, he was saying, seek the Lord and perhaps you won't be treated as harshly as everybody else. Maybe when you go to exile, you'll go to a good place. Or maybe you'll go into a place that you will still be able to flourish. But you will know that the Lord your God is still with you. But this is the answer for all of us in our sin. Is that we should seek God. It seems counterintuitive. Why do we go to the one who's bringing the judgment? Why do we go to the one who we've offended? Why do we go to the one who is going to bring so much punishment against sin? Because he is both perfect and just and mercy. He is the one who has the well of mercy and love who wants to lavish it on us. And friend, the, one of the tricks that Satan wants you to believe, one of the lies he wants you to believe is that God is the one you can't go to. But friends, the Bible tells us over and over and over again that the one who wants to give us the most mercy is the one who we've most offended. And that's God himself. And how do we know that he's most merciful? Because he crucified his son to die for our sins. To use a Kellerism, on Jesus, he has taken the wrath so that we would be the most accepted. All of this all of this punishment Jesus took on the cross for those who believe, those who repent, we can take access to this mercy. It is in Jesus that we receive mercy. So friend, when you find yourself in sin, when you find yourself in needing of repentance, turn to the one who can give it to you. Go to God. In Titus 2, he paints this picture for us. For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people, instructing us to deny godlessness and worldly lusts, and to live in a sensible, righteous, and godly way in the present age, while we wait for the blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. He gave himself for us to redeem as from all lawlessness and to cleanse for himself a people for his own possession, eager to do good works. Friends, we must seek God. And when we ask God for forgiveness, when we seek him in mercy, we will receive it. God is happy to give grace and mercy and love to those who seek him. So instead of staying away from him, run to him, seek him, go to his word, go to Christ, 
understand that we, it is in him that we find the joy of forgiveness and the deepest amount of mercy. John Owen, the Puritan, said, The greatest sorrow and burden you can lay on the Father, the greatest unkindness you can do to him, is not to believe that he loves you. Brother, sister, God loves you. He knows you down to your depths, but he loves you to the sky. This is the beauty of God, that from him we can receive mercy. So friends, seek God. Know that your sin is serious and grievous against God, but that God wants to give you mercy. And maybe today, friend, you have come here wanting to know more about Christianity, or, or maybe you're going through, a, you feel like you're on the edge of exile, that you feel that you're far away from from peace in life or or maybe you don't you're struggling not knowing what to go or where to turn to or what is next but you know that there's something missing in your life well maybe today you've seen that God is both just and merciful that he has crucified his very own son for you so maybe today is the day that you trust Christ with your heart maybe today you turn to him for salvation I encourage you brother or sister you are not here by happenstance you are here by the very plan of God to hear the gospel and it is in this gospel that you can be saved that when the day of the Lord truly comes you are safe in the arms of of God or maybe today brother or sister in Christ you need to repent of something whatever dark secret sin you're holding to repent find someone to help encourage you pray turn it over to the Lord remember the cross and the promise that saved you is still true today that he will forgive your sins as far as the east is from the west and he will help you, he will help you turn from its grasp. Maybe you do need to tell a spouse or a friend, a D group member or your pastor, you need to turn away and find yourself in the mercy of God. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we are thankful for the reminder of the perfect justice and mercy of God. I pray, Lord, that as we are reminded of this, that it changes our life, that it gives hope to our homes and hopes to our lives. I pray, God, that you would help us to seek you when we are far from you. I pray instead of running from you, we will draw near. Oh, God, may we not run from you or your people or from your word. Instead, be drawn near to the mercy and grace that rests in you, your son, and the mercy that can even be found in other Christians and in the church. I pray, God, that you would change us, help us to be serious about sin, but help us to be living in the mercy of grace. In Jesus' name, amen.
Would you stand to your feet? And let's remind ourselves and each other uh, of the God before which we stand, who holds the oceans in his hands, who's numbered every grain of sand and will reign forever. Let's sing.
We welcome you. If you're a guest, we're glad that you're here this morning. Make sure you fill that Connect card and you go to meet our friends at the Next Step desk. We have a gift waiting for you if this is your first time, so we're glad that you're here. If you have any questions, ask those around you or seek someone out. We're glad that you've come and we want to connect with you. As we prepare for our offering, I will be taking that here in just a few minutes. In the pew in front of you, there's a QR code. You can scan that. It's also right here on the screen, or if you're at home, you can do that as well. Or we're about to pass the plates if you want to do so physically. Uh, that's our act of worship. So as you prepare for that, let me just lend an ear to me as we have just a couple of announcements today is one of our all-in for the gospel to every home and so we would like to have three teams here today uh, one of course a team that will go that will go and knock on doors and uh, make sure that we invite people to Christ and also to our church and so this is a big Sunday today and it is going to be a beautiful day so we don't have to worry about weather today uh, so we'll come and uh, maybe some sunscreen uh, maybe you want to wear that today but come at four o'clock today also if you're not comfortable in doing that we will uh, need a team to pray because we know God is at work it's his spirit that's working so you pray while we're doing that and that is part of the Great Commission too so come be a part of a prayer team or if you can lend a hand for a watching kids so that parents can go and that their children can stay here as they go uh, and go door to door. We need all of those today. So at four o'clock, we hope to see you there. And if you could help with children, we I think there's a sign-up sheet for that outside just to say, hey, I'll be here. I'll be glad to watch a couple kids. Uh, mark that before you leave today. Also, speaking of kids, the biggest ministry of the summer is Vacation Bible School. It is coming here soon. Uh, there is a sign-up outside for volunteers. And so you'll see a countdown of how many that we need left to fill. We hope that you can be one of those. Make sure that you go out to Christy and let her know that she can, you can count, she can count on you uh, to serve our kids. This is an opportunity for them to hear about the gospel and be equipped with God's word. So we hope that you will help them in Bible school this year. And then finally, uh, on June 4th, just here in a few weeks, we're going to be having a big day at the life of our church. We'll be having Lord's Supper that's that morning service. We'll also be having a members meeting at 6 o'clock that night 
followed by ice cream social so um, the good news the days are longer it won't be as dark so uh, come uh, that night at six o'clock we had a great members meeting before but if you're a member be a part of this is this is how you make decisions here at the church you'll hear reports we'll actually get to hear a report from our youth they'll be back that that the day before we'll get to hear what god did uh, during the week so we'll get a report from them and the other ministries of our church as well so we hope that you'll make plans to be a part of all that is going on june 4th well let me pray for us as we give our tithes and offerings heavenly father thank you so much uh, for the opportunity to give lord you have given us so much most importantly you've given us your son to die for our sins and out of that we should be people of generosity so lord change our hearts right now help us to be generous help us as we give right now in this service and lord we pray that that uh, we are thankful for those who give that that give to support things like our student camp and so lord we know that lives will be changed through our giving and so lord as we give we pray that you would multiply so that more ministries can be impacted, more lives can be changed, and even more can be set to fund uh, the ministries of the gospel around the world. We're thankful for this opportunity. In Jesus' name, amen. Redeemed, holy we 
from this place and proclaim that Christ the Lord is the life, the truth, the way.